Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week we are talking about Pride Month again. My name is Emily Mitchell and I am the Education Coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today I have returning Kevin Fox. Kevin uses he him pronouns. He is a registered mental health counselor intern with the state of Florida. Kevin worked as a high school teacher while receiving his Master of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Rollins. He worked with adolescents and substance use issues, Equality Florida for LGBTQ plus rights, and worked in the UF Health Cancer Center at Orlando Health, counseling and performing therapy with cancer patients and their families. His passion when working with clients is to help them increase their resilience and satisfaction with their everyday lives. He seeks to help clients increase their meaning from life and live more authentically and honestly. Kevin, thanks for coming back and being with us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back here talking about Pride. I also have returning Emily Collins. Emily uses she, her pronouns. Emily is an LGBTQ plus victim advocate and crisis counselor in an adjunct position between two agencies here in Central Florida, the Victim Service Center and Zebra Coalition. Emily has her master's in clinical social work from Florida State University. She has experience working with trauma in various settings and currently specializes in working with the LGBTQ community after they experience sexual assault. Emily is also passionate about raising awareness on various social issues through training and outreach. Emily, thank you as well for returning for a third time (laughs) onto this podcast and being here today. Yeah, hopefully people aren't sick of hearing my voice. I'm happy to be back. (laughs) So um, as a very brief introduction, earlier this month, we had a discussion on Pride's history and what we thought Pride would look like this uh, year during COVID-19. Now we are back to discuss and reflect on this year's Pride. I think we have a lot to talk about. A lot of things definitely happened. And Emily, I remember you mentioning on the last episode that the world you go to sleep in and the one you wake up in are completely different. And I think we can all relate to that, especially right now. Um, But with that in mind, I just wanted to first talk a little bit about what happened during Pride Month this year Uh, Can you tell me about the Black Lives Matter protests happening around the world? Yeah, I know when we sat down for like the kickoff to Pride, we had mentioned it a little bit because it was right after the videos of George Floyd's murder first came out. And there were just starting to be protests. It was right at the very beginning of it. And I mean, I think we knew it was going to be something big, but you know, we definitely had no idea it would end up being as big as it did. At that point, it hadn't reached international levels. Um, And it's just been so fascinating to see the entire world reacting, like, in so many different spaces, like, from people who are on the grounds protesting to, like, celebrities who have lost their contracts for, like, racist comments that they've made. It's just been really incredible to see everyone come come together to be you know, anti-racist. It's really amazing. Yeah. 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 Cause I think when we recorded last time it was 
the Friday right before the first organized Orlando protest actually happened mm-hmm. and then continued for, well, still, right? People are still gathering and, and protesting, yeah. so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we were just on, like, the brink of it, and now it's been a it's been a really intense June for Pride, for Black Lives Matter, for other, you know, things yeah. going on in the world. It's been a lot. Yeah, it really has been a, a very... Only a couple weeks, but it feels like <laughs> so long. Definitely. Um, and, you know, going off of that, we talked a little bit about Marsha P. Johnson in the last episode, but um, I think it might be worth kind of revisiting that. Do you think we could go a little more into depth of her particular story? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we mentioned last time she was uh, and still is the face of the Stonewall riots. Um that happened back in 1969. She was, she's credited with throwing the first brick. Um, but really before that, she had a rich history kind of of being an activist for LGBTQ plus rights. Of course, back then they just said gay rights, even if they meant trans, lesbian, like it was all just kind of grouped as gay. Um, mm. So if you look at a lot of her quotes, it's like the gay movement, but um, it, we expand it now that we know more. Um, but yeah, she has a really intense body of work that even continued afterwards. Um, one of the things she's most known for is starting the first homeless youth center uh, for LGBTQ plus kids, uh, which we see continued today, even in Orlando with iterations like the Zebra, Co- <laughs> <laughs> the Zebra Coalition locally. Um, so she started what we see so often nowadays. And yeah, and actually... Um... Can you talk a little bit about Zebra Coalition? We never actually talked about it. So, (laughs) so Emily, I think you'd be the best person to kind of describe what Zebra does. Yeah, so I also work with Zebra Coalition. So Zebra supports LGBTQ and homeless youth. So they have drop-in hours. You can go there and take a shower. You can go and do laundry. Um, They have counseling services. They have a whole housing program. They can help you get connected with any services that you're looking for. Um, They're in... They, they serve pretty much the same counties we do, so Osceola, Seminole, and Orange County, but it's definitely one of those, like, as long as you can get to them, they're going to serve you. Um, yeah, so it is cool that I didn't even realize until you just said that Marsha P. Johnson opened or started the first homeless youth shelter because, you know, our youth are always, as, like, queer people or LGBTQ people, the youth are always the ones who need the most support because it's so hard like to be like imagine like coming out being kicked out of your house and when you're young you feel so hopeless so it is just like another like Marsha P. Johnson I know has been explained or like the same way that you know Rosa Parks and her face in the civil rights movement I've heard Marsha P. Johnson kind of referenced as the Rosa Parks of the LGBTQ rights movement and um I think it's just you know we especially because she was a self-identifying drag queen. Um, She was a black person. And her story just is so important for us to amplify, like especially right now while we're amplifying black voices, like there would be no pride without Marsha. So I also found out that the P in her name stands for um, Pay It No Mind, which I love. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and she was also, she was a performer, and she was a survivor of violence and trauma. And I know I kind of briefly mentioned it last time, but when she was, when, so her body was found in the river when she died, um, and that was on July 6th in 1992. And her death was ruled a suicide, but, you know, all of her friends and everyone that knew her protested because they were like, there is absolutely no way that she could have killed herself. And it was just kind of one of those things that was swept under the rug, not really investigated by law enforcement. And it's awful to think that, you know, just because she was a black person or a queer person that they didn't really take it seriously. They didn't really investigate her murder. And it's really heartbreaking because, I mean, we see the same thing still happening today. And I know that's something that's really been, like, playing in my head that I've been thinking about a lot is, like, her murder and all the black trans people 
who were starting to hear about being murdered at like very high numbers and it's just scary to think that like you know in some sense we've made a lot of progress but in other senses it feels like we haven't made much progress at all yeah and she her death yeah originally ruled a suicide they reopened it's still technically open they reopened it in 2012 and they never closed it officially again so technically it's still open um, I don't think that that's changed, but in, yeah, 2012, there was the call to action that, like, we know better now. We know this wasn't a suicide. She wasn't, the people who knew her were like, she was not that type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her famous quotes are still being used right now in the Black Lives Matter protest. Um, and I'm pulling it up, you can't see, but I'm pulling it up because <laughs> I don't want to misquote. Imagine I'm uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no pride for some of us without liberation for all of us. So right. just because you know, in context of the experience that I can speak about being a white cisgender gay male, I know that there's much more privilege that I have even within the queer community than trans people or women or people of color or all of those intersectionalities. Um, And so for me, that quote's especially important because just because I don't see in myself the same kind of oppression doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and that I shouldn't fight for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was kind of not kind of, she is the face of that for most of us in the queer community. Um, and so I think now her words and her legacy are more important than ever. Yeah, She's, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, can, can either of you can talk more about this, but I'd like to bring up, I, you know, usually I show you questions before, but sometimes I have random ones. <laughs> um, just to, you know, reiterate the word intersectionality and if someone could just define it for everyone who might not be familiar with the word. Yeah, the way, I, I guess I probably don't define it in the textbooks way, but the way that I use it and understand it is where people's identities meet. Um, right. So my intersectionalities are being white, cisgender, male, gay, um, whereas... Marsha P. Johnson would be black, trans, uh, yeah, I guess trans, she, I know she called herself gay, but again, I, I, she, I self-identified as a drag queen, I, the way that I understand it, and I could be wrong, but, um, the, you know, being transgender wasn't a thing really back then, it was, I know that, I'm watching Pose right now, <laughs> so, like, I was so excited when the second season was added to Netflix, so I was, I actually, like, watched it this morning, so they, I was thinking about how they call themselves, like, the trans people on it call themselves transsexuals, and the oh. time period that they're in in that show is 1990, mm-hmm. so, you know, we're talking about Marsha P. Johnson back in, like, 1969, so I do wonder, like, if she would have identified differently if it were now, and we had, like, the knowledge and the identities that we do have now. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because the program she started that was for homeless youth was the Street Transvestite Action right. Revolutionary. Oh, so yeah. transvestite's not a word that you would hear used now. Um, mm-hmm. But back then that was what she identified as. Um, but yeah, as far as intersectionality, it's all of the different identities that make you. Yeah, right. And I think it's it's the background that you come from it's, you know, the, I, I kind of think about it the same way that you do. Like, there are certain things to me that are, like, more important about my identity than other things. Um, so I know, like, I identify as a white, cisgender, lesbian, female. Um, but it, for me, like, a big part of my, like, background is also that I'm an activist and an mm-hmm. advocate. So whenever I'm kind of explaining myself or identifying myself, like those are definitely things that I throw into. Yeah. And even things like, yeah, socioeconomic status is Mm -hmm. huge. Um, In Marsha P. Johnson's case, she was homeless for most of her life. Um, And, you know, so those things matter. Mental illness. um, She has, and I saw earlier, and it's not going to be a direct quote, but she had a really powerful quote that's like, I may be crazy, but that doesn't make me wrong. Which I think is, being mental health professionals, we know just because someone might be suffering something like schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, doesn't make their experiences invalid. Um, right. And she recognized that in herself long before people were really talking about it. So ahead of her time. Yeah, it's really <laughs> incredible. I've been seeing a lot of her quotes like floating around Instagram and stuff, and I'm like, wow, her she's so forward-thinking. Like, 
you would think that this is someone who just said this yesterday and it's dated back to like the early 70s wow. like it's really incredible how amazing she was and she was also a huge AIDS activist mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and of course another that reminds me of you know health can also be part and also um, if you have a disability can also kind of mm-hmm. affect um, maybe your experience um, and and obviously the when you mentioned that quote that that first one that you pulled up um, it just reminds me that in all of these as we're activists as we're advocating for change and social justice we always have to be intersectional because they're all connected. Um, and I think that what's happening right now is kind of reminding us of that, that we need to kind of be there for the people who are suffering right now. Um, so we talked a little bit about violence against black trans people. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up or tell the audience about that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a huge problem. Um, it's, Violence against trans people in general is really bad, um, and I know in 2019 there it was tracked that 27 trans people were murdered, um, and they were murdered by strangers, by people that they knew, and you know I a lot of those people were also people of color, and a lot of them were black people, and it's 27 is just the number that we know. So a large portion of the time when trans people are murdered through violence, we, they're misgendered, they're not tracked, sometimes it's not reported at all, and they're just like completely discarded. It's awful. And so far in 2020, there have already been um, 15 tracked trans people that have been murdered. That's a really high number of people. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It is in this time of epidemic it's an epidemic that people still don't want to talk about because um COVID-19 can affect all of us but being black and trans like oh well that's such a small group like we don't have to pay attention to it um but when you look at when you translate those uh numbers into statistics I think uh black trans women right now the average life expectancy is something like 35 to 36 years um and that's for multiple reasons, you know, the lack of access to healthcare for black and queer communities has always been an issue. Um, on top of that, their chances of being targeted. Um, you know, we saw, I don't know if you guys saw, I assume, <laughs> there was that like horrible video of a black trans woman at a Black Lives Matter protest being assaulted by other people there, you know, so it's like, there's still this issue and that's, I guess, goes back to intersectionality. Even where you fit in with some communities, people can still find a reason to make you not fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, and then I think in response to that is when, so in D.C., the mayor on the street leading up to the White House painted Black Lives Matter. And then in response with pride on top of the Black Lives Matter movement kind of coexisting this June um, in West Hollywood, they painted the huge strip that says all Black Lives Matter with the uh, gay pride flag and trans flag colors incorporated to remind everyone that Black Lives Matter, Black trans lives also matter, Black queer Mm -hmm. lives also matter. We can't uh, leave those people out of the conversation because they're increasingly more targeted, which means they need all that much more protection from those of us who have the privilege and the ability to speak up where we can. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. Um, I think when we when we're in this line of work, um, a lot of times we talk about at risk populations, and for anyone who might be confused on that, that's really what we mean. There's there's some populations because of their identities, because of intersectionality, they're more at risk for things like violence, especially sexual violence and things like that. Um, you did you know bring up healthcare as well, um, so. Going off of that, there was some news, right, that came out on Orlando United Day. So what exactly is Orlando United Day first, and what happened this year that affected the trans community? Yeah, so Orlando United Day is what we have started to call the anniversary of Pulse. So while Pulse was an incredibly heartbreaking tragedy 
the amazing thing that happened after is just the way that Orlando came together as a community. So on that day, every year we highlight, um, you know, we talk about the people that we lost and the people that survived. And we talk about the people that stepped up and helped out and have continued to do that, like even now. So it's really been incredible to be a part of that community and see like the response of, I know, I think I mentioned it briefly, briefly before, One Orlando Alliance um, is what formed after Pulse that has kept all of the organizations that do like LGBTQ work in Orlando together. So they continue to do tons of work now. Um, so that's what Orlando United Day is. You know, usually we get together and they do the 49 bells at noon, which is where they read through the names of all the people that we lost and pay respect to them. So that happened virtually this year. Um, it was still very emotional. Um, uh, the, those of us who are here in the office, like set up a computer and watched it like from like social distance based away from each other. Um, so that was nice to be able to kind of do something, you know, um, and then that night was the day that the Trump came out and said that healthcare should be able to be denied if healthcare providers do not want to provide healthcare to trans people. Um, so he basically said that it should be okay for people to be discriminated against based off of their gender identity. And all healthcare, like, that's... I feel like, Kevin, you can probably talk more about it than I can. Yeah, he... And it wasn't so specific. At least, I don't know if I saw it. Like, I don't think they wrote it up necessarily in a, right. like, formal kind of moment. But to do... And that's where, like, these things don't happen on accident, and I think people, especially maybe where they're not in the queer community, can look at that and be like, well, that's just, like, what a coincidence. I was like, a coincidence that happened on Pride Month, mm -hmm. the day of Pulse, which maybe people in other states, like, don't remember it as vividly as we do necessarily, mm -hmm. but we here obviously remember it very vividly. And then to deny healthcare to a more at-risk group during a global pandemic, like, that's not an accident, and I don't mean to get political, but unfortunately, this is political, and so that's yeah. that's the T. Like, that's that on that. Like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a pointed attack. Yeah. And attack, again, might sound like a strong word to someone who's not in the queer community, but that's because they're not the ones being attacked. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> felt like a kick in the gut. Yeah. And it was just on a day that is already so emotional for so many of us, and it whether it was intentional or whatever, it definitely felt like it was. Yeah, um, well, and with all those people in the White House, you can't have anybody being like, you have Google. You can tell yeah. if this is an important... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not rocket science. It's readily accessible information. So to not have known that, I w wouldn't think that ignorance is an appropriate excuse. So then, B, the answer is that it wasn't uh, an intentional moment. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you for explaining that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just really tough, I think. There was just, this month was so full and we're not even at the end of it. Um, but I did want to kind of mention, you know, do you think there is any mirroring of what's happening now and what happened during the Stonewall riots? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, with... Everything going on, the protests, the rioting, people getting mad, like, they should be mad. Um, they have every right to be mad. If you look, again, at the Stonewall riots, they were, like, flipping over police cars and smashing things, and people are like, what kind of behavior is this? But historically, and I guess I kind of speak to this because I did teach history, <laughs> so I'm certified. Uh, I see your soapbox. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's just like, you don't, in, in all of history, you don't see things happening without it getting to this kind of peak because, uh, obviously no one was listening for the past 10 years of peaceful Black Lives Matter protests. Mm -hmm. I started a little less than 10 years ago, but, um, right. you know, I think one of the inciting moments was Colin Kaepernick kneeling mm -hmm. and it's like, right. no one cared then. So what? is it going to take so I don't 
um, I can't fault people for being upset to a point where they need to throw a brick mm-hmm. if I'm hearkening it back to Stonewall because at what point are you going to listen to these people? And that's, again, where I think I think that's a good starting place for people to maybe acknowledge their own privilege, like us here who are white. Um, mm-hmm. We can't understand that because no one's pushing us into a corner because we have the majority of whiteness backing us up. So we can never understand what it's like to be pushed to a corner where you feel like rioting is the next step because we're never going to get to that place because there's always, at least for right now, there's 70, what, uh, I don't know, it's like 70% of America is white. So how can that 70% ever really feel intimidated by everybody else? Right. So when it comes to the black community, which is roughly, what, 14 I think percent right now it might be like 13.7 14 percent um it's very intimidating to know that you're that small of a group in such a big country where it appears when you turn on the news so many people are discouraging your peaceful protests and trying to get your voice heard um and that is exactly what happened at stonewall they're sick of the police coming in to harass those gay people every night and they were like we can't exist like this any longer it's not fair Um, And so whether it's Stonewall, whether it's uh, the early parts of the civil rights movement, um, I don't know if the women's rights movement got violent. Uh, (laughs) I know in the 60s, I I know like the new feminist movement in the 60s, 70s, they were like burning bras and stuff like that was the popular. (laughs) Before that, from what I understand, I did read some information about the suffragettes actually um, learning martial arts. Yeah. In case the police would, and they they did have a, uh, they did have they did go down sometimes. <laughs> Things right. went down. Well, so so this, yeah, there was there was some. This violence. entire country was founded on a riot against Britain. Do you know what I mean? Like the Boston yeah, Tea right. Party yeah. destroying exactly. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of tea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the entire revolution was fighting back against people that felt that they had control over you. So like. It seems a bit <laughs> jaded not to think yeah. that people shouldn't riot and be upset anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always kind of joke that, like, there's nothing gayer than a protest. <laughs> and I think that really, like, the reality is there's nothing more American than a protest. Like, I mean, that, yeah. That's how we're here. Like, America was founded, like, on a, basically a protest. So it's like... So true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if, if the people in charge who are disregarding them would stop and listen to what they're asking. What they're asking for is not crazy. Mm -hmm. They just want to not feel like they're at risk of dying when they go on the street. And I think that that's fair uh, (laughs) for everyone. Um, But if they would stop and listen, you know what I mean? It's like they just want the same rights as everyone else. Right. Um, Yeah, and I, I think now is also a good time to kind of remind the audience that there's so many, um, places everywhere if you just do a quick search um that is lifting up and highlighting voices um and uh of the black community as well as creators i know that there's um a a multitude of ways that you can help the black community whether that's helping um you know creators that uh, that have stores like black owned stores um there's also a wonderful podcast called minority corner with a k that um that is wonderful as well. So, you know, acknowledging that we, we're talking about something that we really care about, but also acknowledging that um, we are not part of the black community. So I just wanted to plug creators who have their voices that would be able to speak more to their personal experiences. So definitely take a look at that. Um, yeah, I also want to add to that. I know there's a whole like Black Lives Matter collection on Spotify and on Netflix. And I have not, I was on call this past weekend, so I wasn't able to fit in time to watch it yet, but um, Disclosure, Trans Lives on Screen was just released on Netflix, I think they released it on Friday, and it's specifically trans people. I know Laverne Cox, I've seen tons of like uh, clips of Laverne Cox talking about her experience, so I definitely would suggest watching that when you get a chance. Yes. I'm going to plug one too then. Please, (laughs) yeah. Please. Um, about blackness and queerness, um, the Queer Black Town Hall, which was on YouTube Live and Facebook Live, um, from Peppermint and Bob the Drag Queen, who are 
to RuPaul's Drag Race alumnus um, who are incredible and incredibly well-spoken advocates for both communities mm-hmm. and so now intersectionality. Yeah, um, Addressing both of these during Pride Month so there's is really awesome. And I think they're doing more. They've had multiple YouTube uh, conversations that it kind of culminated into this black queer town hall. Um, That's really so go cool. check that out too because they speak better about it than I do. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like if you, like you don't have to look that far right now to find like really great resources of black people and black queer people talking about like their experiences and stuff. Um, I know like if you just like look at like one Orlando Alliance's Instagram page, they're sharing like all all of the organizations here locally in Orlando who are putting together like town halls, Facebook lives, like panel discussions, all kinds of stuff, and just like general pride celebrations because there's a lot of those happening virtually right now too. So if you just look on like like probably find your favorite celebrity, go on their Instagram, and you probably don't have to look that far to find where they've shared something to amplify Black voices. Awesome. Um, so speaking, you know, in light of that and the Black Lives Matter protests, um, were there any Pride events that took place and were there any Pride and uh, Black Lives Matter collaborative demonstrations? I think from what I've seen, at least on my feeds, it was more the latter. It was. Okay. And that's where, and yes, there are those outliers in the gay community who are like, Black Lives Matter shadowing our month, blah, and I'm like, okay, but sometimes there comes a moment in history where like this isn't about you so you need to sit down because Mm -hmm. again yes the gay community is marginalized but especially gay white men were well yeah we're at risk for hate crimes we you know we always have been uh Mm -hmm. but right now that's not the issue that we're talking about the Mm -hmm. issue is the epidemic of black people and black queer people being killed so like we can celebrate with them cohesively. And so a lot of the pride stuff that I've seen and I've tuned into has been uh, kind of this coexisting of lifting each other up this month, which I think is really incredible because um, there's a lot at stake in both communities, especially this month. And so to be able to come together and support one another, I think is a track that everyone should jump on. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Again, that's where I liked seeing in West Hollywood where they did the all Black Lives Matter with the rainbow colors and the trans colors. Um, Even they organized this huge protest there, and it was a lot of queer people. It was like the queer community coming together. I mean, even when I look at every picture of the protest, there's always a group of like LGBT people there with their signs and, and pointing out that these two communities exist together you know, they both experience this oppression and they're both still fighting for a lot right now. Um, And so I like to see that it can come together and that it's not either or, or we can only focus on one thing at a time. Like, we can focus on all of it at one time. Right, (laughs) intersectionality, right? (laughs) I know the, like, LA Pride, which had originally been canceled, like, they probably were planning virtual events. They on the same weekend held a massive Black Lives Matter protest and it was so they kind of like replaced their pride march with a Black Lives Matter protest Um, and that drew really large crowds so that was amazing and then New York also held um, they organized a Black Trans Lives Matter protest I'm not sure what exactly the numbers were from it but I know that it it drew a huge crowd of people and they all were wearing white um, there to support like to to support trans people of color or black trans people um so that was another event that because you know we can't can't have pride until all of us are completely until all of us have rights right yeah yeah um and speaking of that um how do you think we can all you know best support black lgbtq people um and specifically you know black trans people Um, you know, that's, I think like what Emily said earlier, it's so easy to find that information right now. So take Mm -hmm. advantage of it. Um, I always say important conversations are good, you know, going to spaces where you can learn more from those people without relying on them to be your educator, right? Like understand their experience, but don't say like, tell me everything I need to know about your community. Like that's too much especially right now right yeah they must be exhausted yeah there's lots of documentaries you can watch and stuff like that so that you don't have to like 
those people are exhausted. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to overexhaust them more than you need to. Yeah. Yes, I think. Yeah. Um, there's documentaries. There's so many places to donate to. I know one off the top of my head is the Black Visions Collective, which is a black, trans, and queer-led um, organization, nonprofit that helps to benefit and support black and trans communities like the black trans that intersectionality right um documentaries i mean if you haven't watched paris is burning that's just like a treat anyways but it's all (laughs) about like queer primarily people of color back in the 80s um similar to pose it's kind of like the real life the non-scripted pose if you will (laughs) um but information's there. And Netflix, again, Netflix and stuff, they're making it easy yeah. right now. They have whole sections for Pride, for Black Lives Matter. Like, mm-hmm. go and sit down and take a look and take a listen. And if you don't know what to say, again, just listen to everybody else right now. Like, yeah. you know, support comes in a lot of ways, whether it's one person silently donating, whether it's people posting on social media for maybe people who don't get it to see. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's attending the protest, if you're comfortable with doing that, like there's a lot of avenues mm-hmm. um, to show support. I love that. Yeah, That's so true. It's you know if when you're getting takeout, get it from a black-owned restaurant. Um, it, a lot of us usually spend a lot of money during Pride Month <laughs> if we're like going to Pride events or right. organizing a weekend to go stay somewhere to go to Pride. So, you know, you're most likely not spending that money this month. So put some of that money that you usually budget for Pride Month towards donating to, to an organization who's, do, who's like, out there doing the work. Absolutely. Yeah, and pay attention to whom not to support. I'm not saying that, you know, one CEO or one owner of a branch of a franchise of a company says one thing. and But, you know, do your research as far as where is the money you're spending going with some of these corporations and what they stand for because um, some of them actively work against queer and black communities Mm -hmm. um, and we should pay attention to that you know what I mean like maybe 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 someone's not comfortable going downtown and protesting for whatever reason Um, maybe their form of protest cannot eating not be eating or not be buying from a certain company that works against queer and black interests right now yeah. Um, and instead yeah. spending that money elsewhere or that $15 you're going to spend there donate it to one of the many Black Lives Matter or black trans charities that are um, in desperate need of money because they're they're all vastly underfunded yeah uh, so uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah you know doing your research is always really important so yeah this is definitely one of those situations yeah and it seems like it's really easy to find the right stuff right now as far as as far as research. Um, So on top of these events, there were also some Supreme Court rulings that affected the LGBTQ plus community. So um, could either of you or both of you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was really like the Supreme Court came through for us (laughs) big time. I know I wasn't really expecting it and it was the decision for workplace equality, so to say that we could be protected, that you could not be fired for your sexual orientation or your gender identity, um, that decision came out on mo- the Monday after Orlando United Day. Mm-hmm. So it was after that, you know, that Friday we kind of got like that kick in the gut that I was talking about. And then on Monday morning it was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so that was really incredible. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah, their rulings mean more than... Um, mm-hmm something someone said (laughs) (laughs) on social media Um, so to know that that is protected um, is I I really wasn't sure how it was gonna go like you know um, and so to see that and it wasn't even like it was a it was a majority it wasn't even it wasn't like a narrow five four it was a Six three. Yes, yeah, six. I was gonna say seven three, but I was like, there's only nine. <laughs> uh, they got a new Supreme Court justice just for the. Yeah, just to. Uh, it was me. It was me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But just to see that, like, is so important that now people who, I especially think of the trans community. When I think of this people who are, in the middle of a transition, perhaps yeah. like. They there's often a very hard time feeling like you can blend in or pass as they say like 
Right. Some people don't care about passing, but to have the comfort that if you maybe present more male in this moment, but you want to come in with nails and uh, eyelashes and lipstick, that that can't be used against you, that you're free to express your gender uh, identity and whatever that means to you. Yeah. And so I think that's especially important because that adds that layer of protection where it has never been there. You know, some companies put that in if they're private companies and they can stand for that. But to know that no matter what a business owner believes, that that's not something they could call someone out for is really important. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of talk a little bit about the word passing, so that is perhaps someone is transitioning male to female. Passing would be they... Pres- they um, people would assume that they are female, correct? Yes, passing is your... Um, like you pass for the gender that you identify with. That's yes, a good way or that, you're, okay. that you're going for yeah. on that mm-hmm. day, potentially. Like if you're right. gender, gender queer. But if uh, gender queer could be now someone who's protected because, let's say, like, I have a full beard, mm-hmm. but I wanted to come in wearing a dress. Right. And I have, you know, hairy arms and hairy armpits and a beard. Right that way of expressing my gender identity can't be held against me. Right. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how this, like, reshapes some workforces. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it really is amazing. It's something that ha- it's been on my mind, you know, forever, because it's always in the back of my head when I'm going into a job interview, like, okay, how much am I going to talk about? Like, because people will say stuff like, so why did you move to Orlando? And it's like, well, I moved here for my fiancé. Then they they ask ask about your fiancé, and well, she's a girl. It's like, can I disclose this information? Can I not? It's always kind of like, and I mean, it it will always be in the back of my head no matter what. Um, But it's also something I talk to, I have clients who have to hide their identity at work all the time. Um, So it's something that I talk about all the time with my clients Mm -hmm. I know when I posted something about it like on Instagram that day I had tons of friends who contacted me and they were like wait this was still legal until today and I was like yeah like (laughs) yes (laughs) and that again that's what we would call straight privilege like not knowing not grasping what inequality still exists in the community that's not your own yeah not Um, having to think about it Ever yeah. since marriage equality, it was kind of like, well, you got marriage equality, and it's yeah. Like, what else do you need? We're always like, well, we need <laughs> Speaking of marriage equality, though, they did a study since gay marriage passed. The gays have put like millions of dollars into the economy, paying for these weddings. Oh, so, I believe like, it. As someone who's planning one right now, in, yeah, it's same. In case y'all wanted to know, like. When yeah, put also put both of us in the category of people who are trying to plan a wedding in the middle of COVID-19. oh my god, I know, no. yeah, and yeah, we I some people don't want a big wedding. That's fine. I didn't get the right to get married to not have an annoying huge wedding. <laughs> That's what I spent a large majority of my life thinking that I wouldn't be able to have a wedding. So now, like ever since yeah. we got engaged, it's been like, oh well, now I can have this, and I have all these family and friends oh, yeah. who want to come and be supportive so I've been like so it's like cute. impossible for me to not invite people my yeah. fiance's like you need to yeah. calm down all those people cost money <laughs> that's even like a weird uh I don't know if you want to call it a straight privilege to gay minority thing but like I never thought about what a wedding would be like for me because I didn't think it was possible so now yeah. everyone's like what do you want for your wedding and I'm like I really don't know yeah. <laughs> right. like, I want a, a good cake like yeah. you know <laughs> must be really overwhelming yeah it's like yeah yeah, it's little been, things like that. It's weird. <laughs> and it's just been super emotional because now it's like, you know, we were supposed to get married in November. You know, second wave of coronavirus. That's when it's supposed to be like super bad. So it's probably not happening. So it's just been like a whole crazy year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but sort of switching gears here, I wanted to talk a little bit about the different pride flags. So first off, I believe the colors and the rainbow flag have specific meanings. Um, so can you talk about the pride? flag that also includes skin color that we were talking about and then um are there any other pride flags that you'd like to talk about this is a lot of questions no that's okay (laughs) we were both talking about this right before we both did a lot of our research to make sure we had all this right (laughs) um yeah do you want to start do you want me to start well just that the original pride flag was commissioned by a friend of harvey milk's um, and so there were lots of fun facts that Kevin and I both learned 
while learning about the pride flag um and the first time that it did officially fly was on june 25th 1978 so one more reason that the month of june is packed with so much june yeah (laughs) um and it was flown in san francisco so Kevin can talk a little bit more about like the different colors and like what everything means. Oh, yes. <laughs> Unless you want me to take it. I no, don't. I. You know I love talking about stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, originally I had eight colors, okay. um, and they did each stand for something. So on top of well, I'll just go through the original eight colors. So um, hot pink was at the top, and that stood for sex, um, which some people still is taboo, but. I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, but yeah, I, I, there was that, the queer community has a powerful way of owning their sexuality in a healthy way because it had been weaponized against us for so long. So I think that's where that, that pink, even mm-hmm. though it's not in the flag, is still very important because um, it is a conversation about sexuality. So I think that that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Red is for life. Orange stands for healing. Yellow stands for sunlight. Green stands for nature. Turquoise, which is... A no longer color stands for magic um also some say it stands for art so magic and art indigo was harmony and violet is for spirit um what originally made harvey milk want to make it was that was the time of his election so he wanted something Mm -hmm. that could represent the queer community but also what had been used for some before then was the pink triangle from world war ii which was how to identify people to sent to a concentration camp or to kill and that's not super positive mm-hmm. so we wanted something Got better um, and it changed years later kind of for hilarious reasons like I thought there was an important deep meaning why we <laughs> went from 8 to 6 um, but when they were trying to mass produce the flag for Pride in San Francisco hot pink was not a widely available fabric color oh. and it was too expensive <laughs> so they nixed pink and then they had 7 colors but they wanted half of the parade to be, um, they wanted to split the colors between each side of the street. Even. And there were seven oh, now, so okay. they had to condense oh the turquoise. I know, it's like not even an important reason. <laughs> <laughs> they had to condense the turquoise and the indigo to just blue. Oh, okay. Um, and now the blue represents harmony. They got rid of the magic part. Yeah, we were talking about it's kind of funny. Like, they took out sex and magic. They took out, like, the two most fun parts. Magic's the whole flag. Let's just say that. Um, that. Yeah, and that's that's how we got to, in, you know, the 70s and early 80s, the flag that we know is the six-colored flag. Um, Didn't have anything to do with Wizard of Oz, even though I remember last time we talked about Pride and the death of um, uh, Dorothy... Judy Garland, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. coming yeah. just before, and so a lot of people thought, oh, it's because of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but they're like, no, oh. it's different, it's not the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then now, um, the flag that, what what year was it when they started adding the black and brown stripes? Um, 2017 in okay. Philadelphia. So very recent. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, and yeah. so- Yeah, because it kind of coincided with Black Lives Matter. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Coming more and more to the- Forefront. National, yeah. yeah, conversation. And in that, black stands for diversity and brown stands for inclusivity. And it's just a reminder to incorporate black and brown people into the movement when you're thinking about it. Um, so even now, like I know we have like one of those little garden flags in our front yard that has, it's a rainbow. And so when Black Lives Matter movement started at the beginning of June, when um, there was this whole big push for everything, the first thing I did was like go online and try and find the flag with the black and brown stripes to put in our yard. And like I couldn't find it anywhere. Wow. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's a big push for it to be more widely recognized and more readily available right now. But that's definitely another one of the things that we need a lot of work on because it's just, it's a visibility thing. Like seeing a pride flag that completely includes the entire community is it's a visibility thing for us yeah because now the one there's one that was designed in 2018 that um again i I think at the core when people think pride they're always going to think the the flag with the six colors and that's what we're still going to see most of the time Mm -hmm. um but i really like the one in 2018 that was made so it's a podcast, so I'm just going to describe it to you. It's, like, the, <laughs> the six colors stacked, like, just like usual, but then it has, like, a, a triangle kind of inversion, and it's the white, pink, and light blue for the trans oh, yeah. flag, 
and then also the black and brown kind of in a triangle shape like coming into the yeah. and again it's trying to encompass not just gay but also trans and also queer people of color um who are huge contributors to the community yeah. it's kind of like a running joke especially with like uh watching things like Paris is Burning like so I know last time we joked about how like straight people steal all the gay slang I think we did like shade like oh that's so shady or like yeah. what's the tea yeah. but also that came from the black queer community first the black queer community is the uh, lexicon for what then becomes language in the gay community which is then accosted by straight people <laughs> and I use the word accosted very intentionally <laughs> but it is like you know uh that's, That's where it's important, important to recognize yeah. the power of the black queer community yeah. because they generate, you know, what makes our community fun. <laughs> right. And yeah. also, um, Marsha P. Johnson, we wouldn't have pride without her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any other flags you want to talk about? So there are so tons flags. of flags. <laughs> There's so like, many. So many it's one of those things where, like, when I know when we're doing trainings and we talk about identities within the LGBTQ community, yeah, it's always like, you know, when you're taught, when you're communicating with someone, mirror the language that they're using for themselves. Don't focus so much on the terms and like trying to understand everything because there are so many different terms. Like I always just suggest people to Google it because I could sit here all day and try and explain like all the different identities within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, flags are the same way. Each, I, each one of those identities has their own flag. Yeah. So Google it. And it's, they're, they're there for a purpose because each one of those people wants to be represented and it's like, hey, I'm here, here's our flag because I'm proud too. So it's, you know, if you're, I'm trying to think of some of like the less common, like there's a bi flag, there's a lesbian flag, there's a flag for bears. Yeah, there's, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the lesbian flag is like 10 shades of pink. And the, there's, like, orange <laughs> and white and stuff going yeah, too. Yeah, the pansexual is, like, the blue, yellow, and pink. Mm-hmm. Asexual is, like, purple, black, gray, and white. There's not, But then, yeah, it even gets so specific that, like, yeah, specific um, fetishes or kinks yeah. have their own pride flags, which mm-hmm. also doesn't even necessarily lie within just the queer community, but also right. outside of that as well. So it really, I mean, if you want to flag for something, it's yeah. out there. And I know, like, like, Zebra Coalition has a tab on their website for all the flags where you can go in and see all of them and see, like, what they stand for and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, so so if you ever have time and the want, just look at all the flags. I love that. They're, they're really cool. Um, and there's a lot of little, um, like, on Etsy, I think a lot of artists, like, make small little pins with yeah, flags on, you know. Sure. So there's a lot of ways you can um, celebrate all different kinds of people in the LGBTQ plus community. So as members of the LGBTQ community, how did you feel about this year's Pride? Um, I felt like it was more important instead of me feeling like I was missing out on a parade or something because of COVID, I think it was more important for me to focus my energies in supporting the Black Lives Matter movement because it's that idea, again, from Marsha P. Johnson, like, if one of us isn't free, we can't all celebrate freedom just yet. Um, obviously, that's not a direct quote. Uh, but, you know, until we're all included and we're all equal, like, we can't really try to celebrate, especially in the midst of everything going on. So I was happier to see the queer community and people that I know rallying for Black Lives Matter. Um because it's all two sides of the same coin, like thinking about Stonewall, thinking about the civil rights movement, thinking about what's happening today, thinking about uh, the epidemic of trans people getting killed. You know, it's all, it's all connected in those ways. So I think that that was more important than me being able to go out and get like drink specials and see a show. You know what I mean? Like right. uh, that will come again. That's always here. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, well said. Yeah, it's Pride Month is always like a range of emotions for me, anyways, and this month has definitely been no different than that. Um, Cause you know, so many huge things have happened during Pride Month. Polls happen during Pride Month. 
the marriage equality decision came out during Pride Month. Now the workplace equality Pride decision came out during Pride Month. We have the anniversary of Stonewall, and now we have the Black Lives Matter movement. Like we're never gonna think about the month of June without thinking about George Floyd and everything that has happened this month. And it has just been like really incredible to still see that. So it definitely has been, you know, going into it, it was like, oh, this is gonna be so weird, not being able to like go out and celebrate Pride. And of course I was like, yeah, we'll tune into like some virtual stuff, but it's not gonna be the same. And it really has just been incredible to see what it ended up being. Yeah. Yeah, Pride is every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. You didn't see it at home, but Kevin had a wonderful smile, right? (laughs) So uh, speaking of which, what did the VSC and other Central Florida agencies do for Pride this year? It was kind of, we were keeping it on the down low on the first episode, so I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, well, so we personally sent out letters. We sent out 49 letters to people who, like, meant something to us through... Well, specifically, we thought about Pulse and people who stepped up and helped us out because we had a lot, our staff that was here actually responded like that night when it happened um, and were there for a lot of the families as they were finding out like about their loved ones and stuff. So we, it's always really important to us to do anything we can to still support the community. Um, So we sent out letters to anything from like specific people who impacted us during that time, to restaurants that donated food, to other organizations who stepped up and helped, just to say like, you know, hey, we remember what you did and we really appreciate it and we wouldn't be here today without like the support that you gave us. So that was one of the things that we did to celebrate Pride and Orlando United Day as an agency. Awesome. Any other Central Florida agencies like Zebra or? So everyone kind of did like, you know, virtual events and we, in the 49 days leading up to Pulse, we call it acts of loving kindness. So everyone spends those days like just doing like random acts of love and kindness for other people. So that's kind of where that started. So we saw that this year, of course, you know, we had to get creative because usually we like hold events for the community to come together and we weren't able to do that. Um, So I saw a lot of organizations coming together to raise money for, there's an LGBTQ relief fund for Central Florida, um, which you can find the information on Contigo Fund or One Orlando Alliance's um, like website and stuff that specifically supports LGBTQ people who have lost their jobs or funding because of COVID-19. So I saw a lot of people coming together to raise funds to be donated to that fund. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, so kind of just a couple last questions here for both of you. So what does the word pride mean to you both? I don't know if it's too cheesy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to know. I think it's being able to exist in the world with confidence about your identities um, and to be able to celebrate them without shame and to not let a system that puts minority people down oppress the way you feel about yourself um, through your identities and how you want to express those. Um, Like for me, we couldn't really celebrate pride in the traditional way that we would this month, but the week that bars were allowed to open at 50% capacity was also the same week of Pulse. So I remember like I went out on Friday the 12th and it's terrifying. Like in the back of my head, I I am filled with this just anxiety about like, just your mind goes to this crazy place. Like what if something happens again? And it's, you know what I mean? Like it just, it really does go to those dark places. Um, But it was more important for me to be out and visible and proud with my friends that were able to come and uh, have a moment of pride regardless of it's better to celebrate Pulse in a positive way I guess Mm -hmm. than to let the fear of it hold us back Um, and I think in a deeper way that's what pride is about um, to some degree so um, you know that to me as pride is the fear of a society that for so long tells people like this no you can't is being like but we're going to because we deserve to. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think for me, 
pride means a lot of things. And that's why we joke and say, like, pride is every day. But, like, pride really is every day. Because it's, you know, when you're kind of, and whether it's intentional from, like, the people around you or not, from a young age, like, we kind of get a message that, like, if you're gay, there's something wrong with you. And it takes us, it's a process for all of us to come to over time we're like okay there's nothing wrong with me um this is what i am is completely normal and it's natural like i would never choose to i like still joke about it all the time it's like yeah if i could go back again i probably wouldn't choose to be a lesbian <laughs> but like just kidding yeah i would um because i'm really proud of who i am and i'm it took a long time to come to that it's a journey and it's you know coming out as every day it's something that I'll deal with for the rest of my life and that's fine because I'm proud of it. I'm proud of my fiance. I'm proud of like any everything we do in our careers and I and I think that's always kind of in the back of my head that I'm also very thankful for all the people that came before us that fought so hard for us to have the rights that we do have because while we still have a lot of work to do we've we've also come so far. Well, well said. Thank you so much. Um, and speaking of, you know, the future, do you think this year's Pride will be a model of future prides to come? And do you think this year will have any lasting effects on future prides? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to see a Pride Parade without a dedicated group of Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, mm -hmm. uh, queer people of color having a highlighted spot because pride is celebrating what we have but it's also still protesting and fighting for what we don't and mm -hmm. that exists across identities so um, I want to be able to see that going forward especially knowing what June 2020 is you know what I mean with the acceleration of black lives and these protests and that should be remembered going forward because our communities have banded together through this in a lot of ways so i don't see why that should stop yeah. uh you know because unfortunately i still imagine by 2021 we're still going to be uh still fighting a lot of people who are working against the queer community the communities of people of color uh women still you know what i mean like it's it's not going to be changed in the next year so we should we should keep banding together yeah. Yeah. I, I think it has, de this has definitely been a turning point. I think the whole year of 2020 has been a big turning point for all of society. And I think that, you know, for pride, that's no different. Pride is rooted in police brutality. Black Lives Matter is rooted in police brutality. And that is, you know, we've got a lot of, there's a lot of systemic problems that have to be resolved. And it's going to take a really long time for us to really do that. So I am, while it's, you know, heartbreaking to see the things that we have seen over the last month, it also gives me a lot of hope because, you know, those things were happening before and we weren't talking about it. And now we're talking about it. And the, continue, the continuation of this movement for this period of time, it's like, you know, that like, are you here for a moment or are you here for a movement? And this is 100% a movement and these people aren't going anywhere until we start to fix some of these problems so i think that this june 2020 is another another month that we're never going to forget yeah awesome i think that's a great way to sign off unless you um emily or kevin have anything else that you'd like to add i think we covered a lot of things <laughs> but just in case I guess the only thing that just came to mind, like, in regard to what I said a moment ago, like, I think it's hard for a lot of people still to recognize privilege, and I think that's a constant fight. Like, no one wants to be called out for being unempathetic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no one wants to seem unempathetic. Like, I get yeah. that. Uh, mm -hmm. But for people who still struggle with white privilege or straight privilege, like, the thinking about how I was a couple weeks ago at a bar, the fact that I had to feel terrified and overcome that to sit at a bar and have a drink with some friends and you don't as a straight person like that straight privilege the fact that black people have to talk to their kids about how to act in the streets so that something bad doesn't happen to them like of course you don't get that because you don't have to have that conversation or feel that feeling and that's what white and straight privilege look like so mm -hmm. 
I don't know if that message like hits anyone listening, but like that is important to recognize just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's exactly what that word means. You know, privilege. You're Mm -hmm. lucky you don't have to feel that way. So that I think embodies just in those feelings, how much work still has to be done so that no one has to feel terrified because of their identity going anywhere for any reason. So if that, you know, resonates with anybody or helps them kind of see maybe privilege in a different way or something, you know, I think that that is hard to recognize, but we all have to, even us here in this room, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm part of a minority community. I still have privileges that I have to recognize all the time Mm -hmm. when having these conversations. And I think if more people just let their guard down and accepted that discomfort and worked through it and, and, you know, then we would understand each other a lot more. Yeah, and I think we could have a whole podcast on that too, but just kind of of acknowledging that it is a journey to go through that learning process. Um, There are going to be a lot of bumps in the road for anyone who's like listening, but um, as long as you're trying and educating yourself, there's a lot of educators out there, there's a lot of uh, black voices being uh, lifted right now, as Emily and Kevin have mentioned, so definitely take a look at that and... um, and yeah, uh, definitely really important to acknowledge Kevin. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, with that, uh, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. Thank you, Emily and Kevin, so much for coming back again um, and being here today. Thank you. Gay (laughs) rights. Happy Pride.